and welcome to episode 204 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I am James, joined once again uh, by the whole gang, Ryan and Paul. We're doing this a little bit late, a, a day later than normal, just for, for Labor Day purposes. So I uh, hope you all had a good weekend. Ryan, how was your Labor Day weekend? Pretty good. Pretty good. Got down to Summerfest on Saturday night, nice. and it was it was good. I enjoyed uh, saw drive by truckers down there with uh, former co-host Steve Garshinsky. So that was his <laughs> first uh, concert post pandemic. So, yeah, I'm jealous of all you Summerfest people. It looks really fun and it's outside and safe. So, and it's also very sparsely attended. At least this first weekend was, and I think that was saw some good. pictures uh, yeah. from from a couple friends that made it look like it was really empty early in the day, like like to an absurd degree. Yeah, I mean, I think combo of it's the first week of school. It is, yep. is so it's a little bit colder, and then you also add on top of it that it was Labor Day weekend, and just kind of all of the factors sort of trended away from it. Plus the the vaccination requirements, which is going to keep a certain sort of person from wanting to go. So yep, yeah, yeah. True. The emo kid me really wanted to go see. Uh... Follow up boy Weezer and uh, Green Day. That that seemed like a, a cool show for me, but I know it's not necessarily your cup of tea, Ryan. You know that wasn't even like real Summerfest though. That was that thing they did the, the night before. Yeah, yeah. they just the venue. I know. Right, I know. it's the only thing that's open. They don't have the rest of the grounds open, so you wouldn't even really get to like do the whole Summerfest thing. You just get to go yeah. into the. Well, I guess it's now the AmFam. Everything's now named after American Family. Yep, it's all yeah. insurance. Yeah, it is. That's it. Yeah. Paul, how was your long weekend? Uh, it, it was pretty good. We were more low-key. Uh, the highlight of my weekend actually was I cleaned up my garage, uh, which desperately needed it, and uh, I found a bunch of my old Genesis games in doing so. So uh, cool. been playing those, which is fun. Nice. Wait, wait, wait. You found your old Genesis games yep. in the garage you just moved into? So yep. like you had just stacked a bunch of boxes in there is what you're saying. That, that, is, that is what I'm saying. Okay. I, I'm <laughs> caught up now. There you go. I have a cool modern Genesis that upreses everything to HD, so it looks really nice. Cool. Good stuff. That's that's fancy. That's yeah. awesome. Great. So, uh, cool weekends all around. Hope hope all of y'all listening too uh, had a, had a good long weekend. If you uh, were lucky enough to get one. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk a lot of Brewers. Uh, kind of an interesting Brewers weekend. <laughs> At least that that Cardinal series had a little bit of everything. Uh, we'll talk about that. But first, a reminder. As always, you can support us, uh, support the podcast network by becoming a patron. That's at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. A reminder, two bucks a month. You get that question priority here on the podcast. Five bucks a month. You get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible Packers mini pods as we start the season this upcoming week. So, uh, can we uh, expect a uh, mini pod coming from you talking about how the Saints have no wide receivers? <laughs> no, no people like it. They've no had they've had huge turnover from last season. They've lost way more people than you think they have. Um, it, it it's not just Michael Thomas being out with his ankle recovery. It's also Jared Cook being gone, like two thirds of the defense being gone, and Drew Brees being gone. There's nobody left on that team. So, yep, we get a preview with all the, the details, Jameis Winston in depth, and um, you know if the hurricane doesn't wipe out Jacksonville, which is currently in process of happening then we'll have a game on sunday there you go so is new orleans like in salary cap hell too uh they're yeah they're com- kind of coming out of salary cap this is the cap hell year they couldn't afford to resign it came due it, it, the, 
the uh, the charges all came due this year. They they kind of planned it for when Breeze was gone. This is going to be a rebuilding year for them. And uh, yep, that's what you're looking at with them. This is a this is a preview of the Packers 2022 season to some extent. This is probably what you're looking at. At least they re-signed Alvin Kamara. So there you go. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, back to the Brewers, as we mentioned. They took two or three from the Cardinals over the weekend, but the way they got there was was at least uh, interesting to say the least. You know, they had that blowout loss in game one. First game in a while that we had kind of seen Credit Council punt a game like he he is uh prone to doing and it, you know we just haven't seen that very frequently at least since the all-star break as the brewers have kind of been on this run and then you know we had adrian hauser of all people throwing <laughs> the first complete game shutout for the brewers in like seven or eight years uh following up kyle loesch which of course i i guess that uh, yeah. only only sicker ballers can throw shutouts for the brewers and then we had uh big dan's Big grand slam to walk it off on Sunday as well. So just a lot of memorable moments there. And I I just kind of had this thought between Adrian Hauser, of all people, throwing a complete game shutout and Dan Vol- Vogelbach hitting a uh, walk-off grand slam. Paul, which one of those do you think was the most unlikely? So you... There's some truth in your your only sinker ballers do that because it's not that they only throw shutouts, but uh, to throw a complete game, you got to get through people fast, and that often requires more balls in play than your your typical good pitchers do. Um, it speeds up the game if you can do you know get out of a guy on one pitch versus you know an eight pitch at bat every now and then where you end up striking him out. So Hauser's actually a good candidate for the complete game. The shutout is a different matter, but you know sometimes you get lucky if you've got a righty-heavy lineup with Hauser, that's going to work. And honestly, Hauser's up to his game this year. He's got a, his sinker's pretty dominating, so it's not that surprising. Um, I, I think a walk-off grand slam from Vogues is probably more surprising. Not that you know he, he's certainly a home run hitter, not a great home run hitter, but a home run hitter. It's just weird to actually get in the situation in the first place, like. Every time Hauser goes out there, there's a chance he can get through to a, a complete game. It's not a huge chance, but um, but you don't get down by the specific amount that a Grand Slam wins the game by that often. Um, Vogelbach's not been on the team for quite a while. It's I, one of the weirdest things about it is that he's actually he's here because his position is kind of taken. <laughs> so um, you know he was hurt. He got he's back up. Um, that, that was kind of a long shot. You know if it was. One of their better hitters, um, less of a long shot, but uh, it, it was their first walk-off of the year. So, you know, it's not yeah. like they're, they're hitting walk-offs every day. They're not. Their first walk-off of the year is very dramatic um, here. So I'll take Vogelbach. Um, it, you know, not that neither of them are common, but I'll, I'll go with Dan specifically doing it as a li- little bit little bit longer shot. Which is weird, right? Because of all the <laughs> comebacks that they've had. Yep. So it is, it's very the, bizarre. Yeah. Sad. Can't believe that was their first walk off with how many close games they play. So yeah, which I did actually see a thing about that. So the the Brewers have been a very comeback prone team. Last I checked, I think they were second in MLB in wins after trailing. So they're they're very prone to do this. And I saw a thing on MLB Network earlier this week about that, and it really shouldn't be a surprise because the Brewers are a offense that loves to walk. They're fourth last I looked in walks in MLB, mm-hmm. and in their division, the other four teams in their division have four of the five highest walk rates by bullpen of any 
teams in all of MLB. So the Pirates, Reds, Cardinals, Cubs are all in the top five for walks, walk rate by bullpen. So the fact that they're getting these these comebacks on the teams in their division, especially, is not a surprise at all because that's they're basically set up to take advantage of exactly what those teams are bad at. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go with the well, the one hasn't happened since 2008. The other one happened in 2014. So we'll take the 2008 one. And I mean, I've said forever that really Grand Slams are just home runs that know someone. There's nothing intrinsically like great about it, except it has its own name. Like we don't have a name for a three-run homer. I I don't know about that. It, it it's the most you can hit. You know, it's like the most efficient home run possible. It's it, you know, it, there's an upper limit on this thing. It's it's not that arbitrary. It, well, but the hitter has nothing to do with it. The hitter doesn't control how many runners are on in front of them. That's true. That the opportunity presenting itself is random, but um, it, it's it's still a cool thing to have happen. And I think it's probably a little harder to hit a home run with the bases loaded. Yeah, pitchers tend to do a little bit different, though. I, from what I could tell, Reyes really did throw that thing kind of down the pipe. Um, well, was that a meatball? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really true. was a meatball. So he was yeah. trying not to walk another guy. That's that. That's the issue with the bases loaded thing. Too. Yeah, which is not the thing you want to do in that situation. So I'll cop to it. I had fallen asleep on the couch, and all I heard was my wife yelling, I think you should be awake right now. <laughs> and I look up, and I see the, the walk-off happening. I had I had uh, woken up previously at some point noticing that uh, they had a rally going. So it wasn't like I had, was in some deep sleep or something, but yeah, I, I was woken up to it and then uh, had to rewind it and all that. So it was, it was a good way to wake up. Mm-hmm. I think what made that cool too is, you know, they had kind of tried to put together rallies a little bit earlier in that game too and, and came up short. So when they loaded the bases again in the ninth, you're like, Ugh, okay, here comes another fake rally. And instead, <laughs> uh, it actually ends up with the Brewers winning the game. So that was kind of cool. And I mm-hmm. I liked all the tweets kind of pointing out because this happened on the same day they were giving out the Ryan Braun home run celebration bobblehead from 2008. <laughs> so I guess we'll see you in like 2035 with the Dan Vogelbach Grand Slam. <laughs> bobblehead too so that'll Indeed. be great yeah and i'm gonna call right now it's gonna be uh was it Jaden fielder will hit that oh yeah there little, you go little prince he's in little uh prince. he's a sophomore in high school right now i think yeah not so little anymore yeah, yeah. and well no he you know, is bobbleheads too yeah well he's the opposite of his dad he looks absolutely ripped and looks like he does not have an ounce of fat on his body whereas <laughs> prince was uh a little chunk even when he was like 10 years old yep yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, nutrition's come a long way in in ten years. So my uncle, my uh, uncle Tim, ran into Dan Vogelbach at a Mexican restaurant in Brookfield after that game. Oh, that's and, a great uh, story. Ended yeah. up sitting next to him. Any any guesses as to who Dan Vogelbach was dining with? Um, a, a, another Milwaukee Brewer. Hmm. Who do you think he's friends with on the team? I never would have guessed this. Uh man, I I I really want to say it's right. right. They have it, it was Jace. Oh, it was Jace. Rowdy and Jace, or uh, Dan and Jace were out together. So. Mm, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, yeah. And you say your 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 uncle kind of has a habit of these chance encounters, and the rest of us are never this lucky. <laughs> uh, yes, that is correct. <laughs> Always seeing people. All right. Yeah. Um. 
so I guess, you know, we're, we're doing this. The uh, Labor Day game against the Phillies did not uh, go well, but we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, we'll why are we even going to speak of that? One. Yeah, no, it, we'll, we'll ignore it like the, the first game of the Cardinals series. And, you know, speaking <laughs> of teams with trash bullpens that are probably prone to giving up late inning rallies, wouldn't be a surprise to see the Phillies do that. Uh, of course, now that I say that, the Phillies are going to sweep the Brewers, and it'll be my fault again. <laughs> it will. That's correct. That That's the way things go. But, uh, you know, the schedule for the Brewers kind of softening up in the ne- in the next week or so. You know, they've got Cleveland, the, and they've got the t- Detroit and, and the Cubs again. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, we're, we're just kind of like killing time here this September. I don't know what to do with myself. I know we kind of had this talk last week and the week before, but it, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, it, it's a really good Brewers team, but I, I, I don't feel fully invested in September right now. I don't know about you guys. It's the sign it's that you're stuff. becoming like a Braves fan in the nineties where you just didn't <laughs> care until the playoffs started. And you remember those stories of like Turner field would be like half empty for the, uh, for the I division series games. Like they weren't even showing up until the, the championship series. They didn't care. Yeah. So yeah, it's the first time you're becoming jaded. I'm yeah. I'm worried about I'm worried about Willie. I want to make sure that gets right. Be, yeah, that's so true. We should it's not something that's that. going on right now, but I'm you know paying close attention to his progress and antics in the dugout and things like that. So uh, hopefully it's weird. To, it's weird to have a guy regress. I mean, most of the time people are really cautious about handling injuries, and it's it's kind of odd these days to see that kind of thing happen. So. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest question going into September, and you can't be, um, you, know, you can't rest on your laurels quite yet because you got to get him back for the playoffs. Yeah, but that's just a question of giving him rest and doing the rehab and all of that. So there's not much they can control as far as that goes in our, at least from what we can see. We can't like watch that. We can't, I guess we'll know when he goes out and starts doing some stuff on the field. It'll be reported dutifully by the Beats and by Sophia. So we'll know then, but there's just not a lot we can do. Yeah. I I guess on the encouraging end, you know, you saw Escobar get activated this past Mm -hmm. week too. That's good. Um, If big Dan's hitting when he gets to play that, that's always good too. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Willie Adamas has been so, so important for that offense that I, I think the extra caution is probably warranted. And I don't think anybody, We'll complain about watching Pablo Reyes for two weeks if, if that means we Thomas <laughs> being ready for October. Especially so. if he's hitting dingers. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, dude. I mean, that, that just shows you John Lester's washed, right? But, yeah. I mean, John uh, Lester passed washed like 18 months ago, right? He did. He did. And the Cardinals still gave up assets for him, which is great. All right. Um, I guess the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get to some Patreon questions this week, and and Ryan had a lot of feelings about this earlier this week. <laughs> uh, the Mets are a mess in their front office. That had Buster Olney once again flooding the idea of David Stearns. Going back, the prodigal son returns to take over his favorite childhood team. And, and Ryan had a lengthy, uh, went through the nine stages of grief. Really, I think uh, before kind of coming to terms with the possibility, uh, but of course, you know the the Mets front office situation's a mess. You know they had their GM and I think the assistant GM both got popped for DUIs. Is that what happened? Um, obviously, there's 
very little oversight there. There's people calling for Sandy Elderson to step aside, and that would uh, presumably open that president of baseball operations role up to somebody. And, you know, David Stearns has been rumored for years and recently got that uh, new title with the Brewers to kind of keep him away from teams like the Mets for a little while. But apparently that contract may be coming up in the next year or so. And Buster floated the idea of, well, if David wanted that job, he could probably force his way out. So I guess, uh, Ryan, we'll get to you in a second, but Paul, are, is this something you're worried about in the very near term? I guess maybe not even specifically with the Mets, but just David Stearns moving on. Uh, kind of. Eventually he'll probably will move on to uh, just have another challenge, if nothing else. I mean, he's clearly one of the best executives in baseball. And uh, when any opening comes open for the foreseeable future, He'll probably be rumored to get it if it's any better than his current job, mm-hmm. and it the Mets is one of his you know hometown kind of jobs, so that's going to happen. He's not going to be here forever. Like um, guys get bored of doing the same job forever, and if you can you know build on your successes and move up or become more comfortable somewhere else, you'll do it. So that's fine. Um, I don't really worry about those kinds of things. It, it, um, the only time I worry about that is if it's all one guy and. Uh, it's this is mostly about an organization and especially in baseball which is so analytic and so about the the how the organization operates not just one wonderkind at the top like picking magic guys out of a hat like it's not that big a deal as long as you keep some level of continuity and don't have a complete egomaniacal moron takeover and and, you know that's that's what dooms you that's the kind of thing that wrecks you but I think the Brewers have a, a, a nice operation here that nobody wants to mess with. And uh, egos can get in the way sometimes. Um, I think Green Bay's seen a little bit of that, but uh, I, I think they'll be fine. So, uh, you know, enjoy your Stern's time. He's not going to be here forever. When he does move on, <clears throat> they'll probably be fine, at least for a while, until major changes happen as they do. Yeah, I think, like, cynically speaking, right, it's the Theo Epstein model, move on before things get bad and then your reputation just kind of keeps growing right he did that with boston he did that with the cubs uh you know he he got out before things really got kind of hairy so i think cynically maybe we could see that with david stearns but i guess ryan are, are the brewers set up for life after stearns whenever that day comes you have to think so right because if you look at what they've done like what they're really good at here is one, they've been built around developing pitching. In the last few years here, that's what we've seen come to the forefront of why this organization is so good. It's finding and developing pitching. And that can't be really one guy. Like, the finding part might be more, like, isolated to, like, one person or something. But even then, finding guys is a process that involves you know, the whole analytics team, whatever they have left for scouting at this point, which I think is... Not as much as they probably should have, but that's another issue for another day. Um, (laughs) But finding the guys and then getting them to develop whatever works well for them, toss the bad stuff. That's coaching. And you have to have a bunch of different people who are capable of communicating with players and working on this stuff at different levels of the organization. You have to have a number of people who are competent at identifying which pitches are good, which pitches are bad, how you can tweak things. There has to be a bunch of different people involved. And so you can't imagine that this is all just like one person. That would be very unlikely. And I think that 
I did mention in that thread talking a little bit about like now wouldn't be a terrible time for this to happen because of the way baseball is set up right now. We're almost certainly heading into a lockout, at least to begin this winter's as of December 1st, there's going to be a lockout unless some miracle happens between now and then there's going to be a lockout, which would be sort of an ideal time to just like because I think they're you're not allowed to do anything with players, but you are allowed to like if they were to have lost Stearns, say, in November. December, once they're in this lockout period, would be an ideal time to sort of, you know, presuming Matt Arnold would get the job. It would be a time for him to reset his staff, figure out who he wants, maybe recruit somebody from someplace else, all yep. of those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. So he would have that opportunity. Also, they just don't have a lot of critical decisions like at the forefront right now. I mean, they could make some trades of some guys and get ahead of things a little bit, mm-hmm. but nobody is like a pending free agent. Like uh, the closest any major players are to free agencies, what, three years away? Something like that, yeah. They don't really have like the huge impending decisions that they they need to deal with right now. So you could kind of use this as a time to ease Arnold into the job if David Stearns were to leave. And I want to zoom back to that because (laughs) Buster is just, it's really a joke. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, hold up. We have a Patreon question that can kind of pair in with this. So go ahead. Just to get it in because Jay paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to get him in first. Suck it, Steve. Exactly. Yeah. So Jay Google's question is, how much do you hate Buster Olney and his New York loving ways? Ryan, go. I mean, first off, all Buster Olney does is cover like the East Coast of baseball. He could like they call him a national writer for ESPN, but that is I mean, anybody, everybody knows that that's not true. If you ever were dumb enough to listen to the Baseball Tonight podcast, which I used to be uh, because I wanted to hear some of the guests that he would have on on a regular basis, all you would get is just uh, either Yankees, Red Sox, Mets or, you know, maybe they would uh, like switch it up and you'd get some Phillies talk. Like, that's all they care about. And I understand this is the ESPN business model and whatever, but, like, Buster only is not a national writer. He's basically the Yankees beat writer. And that's why ESPN hired him way back when and whatever. First of all, I don't have ESPN and haven't for, I don't know, like 17 years now. I'm one of those people who's been a cord cutter for a long time. I might get it again soon. It's getting sick of it. But I've been blocked by Buster Only on Twitter since like 2006 over an argument about Lance Berkman. So <laughs> how how are you not blocked by Buster Only on Twitter? Uh, you mean, I don't know. I called him it like multiple times now, Union Buster, which was... I mean, he's famous for blocking people for jack squat. How uh-huh. have you avoided it? I, um, I don't know. I, I right. have not been blocked, but... Maybe he likes the Union Buster nickname, and that's why he... Yeah, <laughs> he probably views it as a badge of honor. And that was Eugene Friedman, by the way, that gave him that. And Buster is a shameless shill for management. Just wait he until... Is. that's true. Just wait until this fall and see, like, the, the garbage that will come out of his mouth. Because he, along with Heyman, was one of the biggest apologists for whatever the owners were trying to shovel throughout that entire mess last summer with COVID. But anyway, this is this is the key that that uh, he hangs all of this report. And I'm scare quoting there. According to sources, Stern's current agreement with the Brewers runs through the 2022 season. Okay, so that's kind of valid. Like, okay, that's information that that 
is somewhat new, I guess. I don't know. It, as far as we know, that could be accurate because right. speculated he signed a three-year contract in 2019, so that tracks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some of his peers believe that if Stearns wants to pursue the Mets job, to work in a big market his hometown with the kind of enormous resources he will never have in Milwaukee, he is close enough to the end of his deal that, uh, with Milwaukee that owner Mark Atanasio will have to have a conversation about what's next. So some of his peers believe that if he wants to pursue the job, now would be a time when he could like maybe talk uh, Mark Atanasio to discussing it with him. That's that is the entire basis of this entire report is news. some of his peers believe it's this news. is Giannis situation pre extension all over again. It's like, well, if he wants to go to the Lakers, now is the time for the conversation to happen. You know, <laughs> yeah, like exactly, it is. And I have no illusions. I mean, David Stearns grew up a Mets fan, okay, and like I have no illusions. If if Steve Cohen basically says, "Hey, I'm going to get out of the way." And I'm going to let you like set up this organization the way you obviously have done in Milwaukee, because look at what you've built up in Milwaukee in you know a relatively short period of time here. Like to have built up what he has here is pretty remarkable. And if if Cohen says, Hey, I'm gonna get out of the way and like I'll even promise not to tweet as much, like <laughs> you know, like sure, I, I would not blame Stearns for one minute for wanting to do that for for you know, I don't know his whether they they have a, a young child. His wife, I believe, is from New York as well. Like maybe they really want to go home and that's the the thing that they they want more than anything. And like who could blame them? That's fine. But this isn't based on anything substantive. This is just literally like some idle industry chit chat that Buster only turned into a a scoop of nonsense i guess like it just there's nothing here there's no there's nothing really worthwhile here to sink your teeth into how much you want to bet theo is the source (laughs) well there's been all kinds of talk about theo and uh this uh the issue with the the dui by the gm is not helping theo's case because theo had a very uh at the Cubs and at the Red Sox before they had a very frat boy sort of uh, yeah. image. Theo during the Cubs party in 2016 was something. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no. I mean the, the one that they talk about it, it's very well detailed in Jeff Passan's uh, the arm where they talk about the process of signing John Lester and it oh, involves like everybody being hung over with like Jägermeister spilled all over their jeans. Guys, we also, we can't move off this without, Quickly discussing the Jeff Passan, David Wall interaction from Twitter. Oh, boy. Wait, did you guys not see it? No, I did. I'm just staying out of it for reasons. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, go see Jeff Passan's conversation with David Wall on Twitter. Uh, You will not regret it. Mm -hmm. It It was phenomenal. It really was something, and he still hasn't deleted it. Nope. I love it. Looking at it right now. There you go. Okay, All right. we, can, we can move on now. <laughs> uh, with that, we do have some more Patreon questions to get to. Our next one comes from Mike Ch- Chamernick. I butchered that last name. I'm sorry, Mike. But uh, he's asking, after the IL stint and Friday's start, should we be worried about Freddie Peralta for the postseason? So part of the reason why that Friday game against the Cardinals got kind of out of hand was because Freddie Peralta... Uh, let's just say looked slightly rusty 
uh, coming back against the Cardinals. Got hit around a little bit. So uh, I guess, you know, like Mike said, between that and, you know, the the shoulder flare up, uh, Paul, are you worried about him kind of being set for the postseason or would you just kind of rather have him take these lumps now? And- I'm always worried about guys coming off of injuries, not performing up up to speed, and especially when they've had shoulder injuries in our pitchers. But I'm not going to panic about it till I see him throw a couple more times. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about it because it's the information we have right now. And um, you know, he says he's fine, which is which is good. He said he felt pretty good afterwards. But uh, I, I want to see old Freddie back at least once or twice before the playoffs, if at all possible. Um, that would that would be ideal. A little worried about Woody today too. Just um, his uh, since the uh, crackdown, his ERA is about a point higher than pre spin rate crackdown so uh, I, I have my picture worries here yeah Ryan how about you I mean there's always going to be worries especially with pitcher health you're you're always just sitting there waiting one one pitch away from disaster right like that's just the nature of pitchers period mm-hmm. uh I'm not as worried about Freddie I was looking and I'm checking it again to make sure but I don't believe he had major downturns in velocity. Nope. Actually, the his velocity, uh, his four-seam velocity average on Brooks Baseball for September was 94.2. That is the highest of any month this year. So just going off of that, I'm not worried about him like lacking velocity. He was a little up and down in that start, but actually I went yeah. back and I looked and he's always up and down in terms of his velocity. He mm-hmm. he can kind of go anywhere between 91, 92 and like 95, 96, maybe even pushing the high 90s these days uh, in terms of fastball velocity. So uh, that would be a, a warning sign to me as if the velocity was down, but it wasn't. Uh, his command was a little rusty and he mm-hmm. gave up a couple of big shots, which is what happened with Woodruff today as well. Like it, most of the damage was confined to him giving up a few big shots and that is going to happen to everybody especially in baseball today where you're playing with something of a juiced ball i I still don't know exactly where we are with the the ball (laughs) juicing we haven't talked about it in a while but my conspiracy that they switched the balls in july or at the all-star break and everything seemed to be fixed yeah i mean it just hasn't been a topic of conversation lately there's been other things to talk about so no i mean i'm not I'm not any more worried about him than I would be generally, but I'm always worried about pitchers always anyway. So (laughs) fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I would also look at it this way too. You know, he's already surpassed his career high in innings pitched like ever his highest in a single season was a few years ago. Uh, I think it was the high a double a year. He had 120 and he's already passed that. So, I mean, we are getting to the point in September where these guys are blowing past either career highs or way past what they threw last year. Right. Which is what we've tried to kind of emphasize about the Brewers doing all year is, is kind of protecting against these late season wear downs. So, you know, we might, be starting to see that a little bit and you know there was that theory that yeah freddie's shoulder may have been fine but the brewers are going to take the two weeks of rest that they can at this point too so i mean that's something to think about too well and coming up on wednesday freddie is going to make his first start on regular rest all year Mm -hmm. he's going to be doing it on four days rest and this will be the first time every other time he's been out it's been 
uh, five plus days. Yep. So this right. is part of what they've been doing all year is they've been very careful to if you do that and you take that stance of doing that all year, make sure guys are always starting on an extra day's rest. You cut a, a, enough innings that you should be able to get deeper into the season without any major issues. And in terms of just raw pitch totals, right? Like other issues can always crop up, but it, just in terms of worrying about like the innings totals and all that, they're not in huge danger areas here. They were saying that they were going to be willing to go about a hundred innings past what guys threw last year. And Woodruff is going to go past that. Uh, Burns yep. should be right about that. Yep. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, yeah. It, it's just something to watch, too, as we get in these next couple of weeks. You know, as, as Ryan said, you probably want to start laying off a little bit here in the next start or two, but you want to ramp up towards the end of the month. So we'll for sure have our eye on how the Brewers handle that situation. Our next Patreon question comes from Ted Johnson, our uh, law school buddy who loves everybody. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, what other Brewers media outlets or podcasts do you guys look at or listen to for Brewers information? And also, last time I commented, I forgot to tell James that I love him as well. So just wanted Aww. to give James some alcohol-induced love. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I passed the bar exam. Thank you guys for helping me throughout law school. You are my anxiety medication. So uh, <laughs> glad. Congratulations, Ted, first of all. Congrats. And uh, glad that we could help you through that. And uh, appreciate the love. Thanks so much. I, I did not feel slighted, but I, I appreciate you making sure that I knew that. So thanks so much. Um, so, Paul, I guess, uh, where else do you look? for brewers information insights that kind of thing what do, what do you fill your free time with um so first congrats on passing ted that's fantastic news it is uh, uh for those of you who will never take the bar exam kudos to you for never taking the bar exam it is brutal and terrible uh and passing it is is well worth it even though it's kind of a stupid test that they make us do to be lawyers uh, but got to do it so congrats on doing that congrats on being an attorney i hope that you find it better than most attorneys um but uh, in terms of other brewer resources, I, I, like I listen to JR stuff because JR is a fantastic podcast host and the, the journal people all do great work. We have really good uh, beat folks um, who cover things for the team, uh, for the paper. They do great work. I don't listen to too much else, though. Um, uh, a lot of the things I used to have kind of faded away. Um, a little bit. I actually do. I'm an old man who reads the Journal Sentinel every day. <laughs> uh, I still I have a subscription and uh, I love my newspaper. And so um, but like I listen to Effectively Wild and I, I listen to like Packer stuff a lot during football season, especially. And I, I you know, I'll, I'll read up on any brewer related stuff on Prospectus and Fangraphs um, and anywhere else that shows up kind of on the sabermetric front. Um, and I listen to Effectively Wild most of the time, but that's kind of it. And brewer-specific things have been getting a little few and far between. So um, not a ton audio for sure. It's really, I, I do listen to this podcast just to see how I sound. Oh, <laughs> but that's kind of it. Podcast, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. When you start editing it, then you kind of have to listen to it. You yeah, you do. You run out of those excuses. So may you never have to edit it, James. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, the JR thing, that is the only Brewers podcast I listen to regularly. A uh, couple others have come and gone that I used to listen to, but uh, the the JS one with JR and Hotter Court, sometimes Rosiak, 
Yeah. And then I listen to the beats or read the, the, the beat reporters. So the stuff that's in the JS and the stuff that uh, is put up by McAlvey. And then it, it really is mostly national stuff at that point. And I'll focus specifically in on Brewers things uh, and enjoy that. I, I will point out that on the most recent Effectively Wild from last week, they were talking to the uh, Grant Brisby and some guy from the Dodgers who does beat reporting for the Dodgers. And they were talking about the upcoming series. And one of the questions was, who do you not want to face in the NL? And both of them were like Brewers instantly, like don't want to face them at all. They are absolutely monsters. So, yeah, that was that was really something to hear. And I heard on another instance where people are talking about like, oh, the Yankees rotation, they're they're pretty good. But it's it's nothing like the the top three of you know the best teams like the uh, the Brewers or the Dodgers. And that's just weird to hear that. I just I still haven't gotten used to that. So uh, I but I like getting I a lot of the stuff I focus on is minor league stuff. I listen to a lot of minor league podcasts. So like the MLB Pipeline pod, uh, Baseball America's stuff. I'm kind of hit or miss with uh, Keith Law's stuff. Um, who am I forgetting? Oh, the stuff that's on um, the Baseball Prospectus uh, feed. So that stuff. Uh, James Anderson's weekly appearance on the Rotowire podcast on Wednesdays. Listen to that always. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys kind of covered it a lot for, for the Brewers podcast for sure. And like you mentioned, there there were a, a couple of good ones too that have kind of, you know, either ceased or, or fallen off. You know, I, I appreciated the athletic one with Derek Van Riper and Will Salmon and Will Stuff, uh, the written stuff for the athletic is still very much worth the price of mm-hmm. whatever they're they're offering up subscriptions for yep, now. It's true. Um, you can get it for like ten cents. Like, yeah, exactly. Just wait for a special. Exactly. There will be a special. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's well worth it for you know trade deadline season alone. You know, and and we 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 give some of those people crap, but it, it's fun to see like the Ken Rosenthal stuff too around that time of year. And and Will just has done a fantastic job specifically with the Brewers and kind of diving deeper into the numbers there too. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's definitely stuff that I really appreciate. And like you guys said too, just support the local media. You know, the Journal Sentinel guys do phenomenal work. You know, we we all love Jr. We, he's a buddy of ours, and and we'll have him on occasionally. But you know, uh, for all the stuff. The flack that tom gets on twitter too he he's been there he knows the team you know he 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 does really well and you could really do a lot worse for local beat guys so mm-hmm. local journalism yep. all right uh, our next pair of questions actually comes from philip schumacher his first question here says assuming the brewers have nothing to play for when they beat the dodgers for the last series of the season should they rest woodruff burns and peralta that weekend so the dodgers do not see them before a potential mlcs meeting paul you're shaking your head are you in favor so, of some gamesmanship here or what are your thoughts? only a little bit um you don't want to screw up routines that's the only thing so i don't know if you skip them to avoid familiarity i i just think if anybody's hurt, you skip a start. If anybody needs rest, you skip a start. And if anybody's not, you put them out there on their normal rest to do their normal work. But you, you basically tell them uh, preseason mode here. N- no trying, um, no you know exerting yourself to get out Dodgers in big situations. Just do your do what you do to stay comfortable. Get your arm worked out. Go through your pitching repertoire. But this is this is preseason baseball. So if you get shelled, don't worry about it. Get your work in. We'll get you out. We'll get 
some some triple a guy who's up for a cup of coffee and and uh get yourself ready so um the short answer is yeah you do that but long answer is you set up your rotation for the playoffs you you make sure guys keep their work in and you know if anybody needs a rest you do it but that's as far as you go no i mean the thing here is so if you just looking at what the schedule is going to be and i'm doing this from memory uh the monday after the season is for any playoff uh play-in games that need to happen and then there's a wild card game on Tuesday. There's a wild card game on Wednesday. And then the division series starts on Thursday or Friday, depending on which league goes first. And I don't know which one is which at this point. But if the Brewers are starting their division series on Thursday, you want those guys lined up on maybe slightly extended regular rest, which for them is, you know, five days rest. So I would think that they would start the series before and then be available to come in on the 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 next uh, they would they would take that weekend off anyway so maybe you have like freddie pitch on that friday but i would assume that woodruff and and burns are going to be lined up to pitch in the beginning of the division series anyway so i don't think it's going to be an issue and i don't think they're going to worry about that so i i really don't think we're going to have to see them avoid the Dodgers seeing them, I, I, I think it's a non-issue is what I'm saying. So, yeah, for the record, just looked it up. The AL series, both AL series start on Thursday. Both NL series start on Friday. Hmm. So all the LDS will start on Friday. Hmm. So that would be a full week if for whoever mm-hmm. started on that Friday. Oof. So maybe you would want to have them pitch that weekend. And start and just like a long layoff. Especially it's a long layoff. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's probably an overrated problem anyway. I don't know that the familiarity <laughs> is that yeah. big a factor, especially considering they're going to see plenty of pitchers in between. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And video is such a big thing in the game now, right? Like, and they've faced them once before. So it. I don't think there's many surprises, honestly, but, you know, maybe that last weekend, if everything's sewn up, there's really nothing to play for. You can't even clinch a top seed. Then, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe like, all right, guys, go out, get three innings, 50 pitches in. Yep, exactly. Start, you know, that kind of thing. So. All right. Uh, I believe Philip. Yep. Philip. Philip had another question here. And this is kind of a fun one. Was Big Dan's walk-off Grand Slam against the Cardinals more enjoyable than the four-game sweep of the Cubs at the end of June? I uh, I think Philip might have had a similar question about sweeping the Cubs when it happened. I think he did. Um, yeah. and, and and you know we we love sweeping the Cubs. So Paul, what was more joyous, sweeping the Cubs and effectively just ending their season, or crushing the Cardinals with a walk-off Grand Slam and getting that fantastic? cardinals tv call of Vogelbach's grand slam so it's it's a tough one i think i lean um ending the cubs because it ended the cubs for like the next decade well that's probably overstating things but you know it ended the cubs for like many years to come and ended the uh supposed dynasty right it did and you know the the cubs and cardinals i I kind of i'm equally I i feel equally about in terms of who i hate so um if this was a closer a closer division getting that edge on the cardinals would be a bigger deal the game didn't matter as much though it's always fun to beat them it, it, it's a, it was a great moment fantastic moment love it 
Um, but I do think ending the Cubs dynasty is more enjoyable, although both are obviously very enjoyable. Well, and just the way that that Cubs Brewers series played out, too, with the absolute pummeling in the first game, right, where they uh, they were tied going into like the eighth inning and then they just poured 10 runs on him and just obliterated him and ran him off the field. And then they won a very nip and tuck, like tight game in game two. And then the wonderful comeback blowout that was game three, like just the, the poetry of that, like that's a that's like a novel. <laughs> you're, you're going through like plot development and all that kind of stuff there. That is really quite good. Um, it's the odyssey of ending the Cubs. Yeah. Whereas, exactly. yeah, the, the, the Cardinals game basically like that game mostly sucked until the moment that ball left Big Dan's bat like that game yeah. was not. You know, that's true. A that's ton true. of fun until that moment. Yeah, you had what Yelich up the the inning before with a chance to drive in runs and the screamer right at first base to end the inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. It was lining up to be just one of the more frustrating. Screw you! You're not winning this games of the year, right? And mm-hmm. so that's right. But yeah, just just ending the Cubs and. uh you know, if the Brewers don't sweep the Cubs at the end of the June, maybe we don't get Javi Baez in New York making the back page for all the wrong reasons. So, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I, I would have to go with that as well. So, all right. Our next Patreon question comes from Brian Polakowski. He's asking, do advanced stats back up the Brewers' anecdotal struggles against left-handed pitching? I know this is something that uh, has kind of been stuck in our brains for a while now right like i remember thinking this back in 2018 and it still seems to be an issue so paul do the numbers back that up no no they do not <laughs> um, the brewers ops against left-handed pitchers is 719 and the brewers ops against right-handed pitchers is 719 so they are exactly the same and by the way if you go down the splits a little bit you know, OBP matters a little tiny bit more than slugging does, but they're so close as to be indistinguishable. They have a, a 325 OBP against lefties and 318 against righties. It would It's made up for in slugging. It's, they're basically exactly the same. There's no difference at all. Um, so I was so detached from this. I didn't know that there was an anecdote that said they struggled against left-handed pitching. So I don't know where that came from. Do you guys? Recent, it might be more of a recent memory thing, too. Is it? Like okay. I feel like there's been a couple soft tossing lefties lately, but I mean, they they uh, beat Kim with the Cardinals this past week. So, you know, that was fine. I will say, though, if you dig a little bit deeper into the splits, I think the right handed starter versus left handed starter thing's a little bit different. Uh, but then you're getting into such wonky sample sizes like against right-handed starters they have more than like 4,000 plate appearances against left-handed starters it's only like 1100 Um, there's like a 40 point split there but yeah on a team scale i don't think it's fair to do that anyway just because you get so many reliever specialists that are going that's just a matter of how many of them you face in in any given season that's all it is well also there's the team composition this team is very different than the one that took the field in April and May. So how much do yep. you how much would you hang on uh this team if they struggled in April and June against lefties or sorry April and May against lefties you wouldn't want to hang that around the neck of you know Eduardo Escobar who had nothing to do with that or Luis Urias who is a very different player than he was then or Willie Adamas like 
that just isn't all that relevant, right? Because circumstances have changed so much since then that you can't even like go with a full season sample because this is just a very different team than where we started. All very good points. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, PJ Vessels or Vessels, as uh, JR likes to say on the football podcast, really <laughs> emphasize the German there. Uh, I think that this is a good one for Ryan just because it mentions soccer as PJ is wont to do. All right. Uh, so PJ's question is, what are you more concerned about? The Brewers picking the right third or fourth starter in the postseason or the U.S. men's national team qualifying for the 2022, I assume, World Cup is WC? Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about either. They're going to oh. qualify for the World <laughs> Cup. It's going to be fine. Relax. <laughs> They they're they're two of 14 matches into qualifying right now, and they've drawn both matches, including to Canada at home, which is not great. That's that's not what you want. But relax. They're going to be fine. They're going to. So as long as they don't have to win, they're fine. Or no, no, no. I mean, they're going to need to win. They just they have they're two of 14 games in like they have they have a lot of time to get this sorted. So. What have you seen in recent history that tells you they are actually going to do that? Uh, the young talent that's on that team is incredible. It's like nothing the U.S. has ever had before. We have we have good young players playing all over Europe at guys who are like 19, 20, 21 years old who are playing and playing significant minutes at top European clubs in ways that we've never had in the entire history of U.S. soccer ever. So... It's just it's a different day. It's it's a different group of players. So they have a very good young team and they'll qualify. I have zero worries. That's fine. The answer is the soccer part, though, because the Brewers <laughs> will obviously make the correct decision on the, on the pitcher. Sure. Because they know their pitchers really well and they'll have that all figured out. So, And it's, you know, the, the, the America can screw up soccer like nobody else. So that's fine. So the third, fourth starter, I, I should read into that a little bit that like, are we really worried about them picking the third starter? Because that's Freddie nah. and it should be Freddie. No. And like, right. if he's healthy, it's Freddie. And we don't even need to like have that. I guess people want to start having the conversation of should Lauer and Hauser be ahead of him? And mm-hmm. no, let's mm-hmm. let's just not. I mean, the only the only way that would make any sort of sense is if they said we'd like to use Freddie out of the bullpen. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. Don't say. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that idea. If no. you can get a three innings or whatever, but I, I'd just much rather have a solid start than, oh, we may use Freddie. You know, <laughs> um, as good as as Hauser's been this year, and especially lately, I I would still, you know, your ride or die is Woodruff Burns and Freddie do what brought you to the dance right that's the the old cliche but don't screw around with that all right our next patreon question comes from jeffrey carroll uh he's asking with the daniel norris trade looking abysmal can we finally hashtag free luke barker (laughs) uh so a couple different things to unpack here yet daniel norris has not been great for the brewers and then Luke Barker still doing well in AAA, but I know Ryan, you're not a believer in in that necessarily. We've kind of covered that before. Yeah, no, I'm just going to stand on the shoulders of James Anderson on that one and be like, what he said. So, can, yeah, can you enlighten us 
what he said or give us a taste? Well, I mean, he went into some detail about it in the in the minor league extra, the latest minor league extra, basically just not really a believer in the stuff to be a shutdown reliever in the game in this era. So it just doesn't seem likely that you've you've got a guy who's going to be able to consistently get guys out. The bar for stuff on relievers, especially short relievers, is so high in 2021. You have to be you have to have some exceptional pitches and the Brewers have exceptional pitches kind of up and down their roster. We've talked about that in the past. Like they have they have top 50 pitches in MLB like all over their roster. So to be a good reliever, you have to have just exceptional stuff. And he just apparently, according to James, just really doesn't have it. So does Daniel Norris have it? I mean, well, no, but I mean, Norris, <laughs> Norris is a placeholder. He's just here because they traded for him and somebody has to pitch innings. Yeah, I That's guess it. All your thoughts. Yeah, retweet. I, I, I agree with Ryan on Luke Barker, who I know absolutely nothing about stuff wise. But Daniel Norris, yeah, he's not good. He's bad. That experiment didn't work out. But you don't replace Daniel Norris with just another guy who may or may not be just kind of like Daniel Norris. So, uh, you know, somebody's got to eat innings out there if there's not a better pitcher to come up and replace him to actually do damage. Um, it's fine to have a guy who's not that great go and, you know, be the punt guy. They need a punt guy. Punted twice this weekend. Daniel Norris is good for that. So. Nobody cares if he's tired. Nobody cares if he gets hurt. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, we have one last Patreon question to get to this week, and it's actually from a new patron. So Peter Pax uh, is is a new patron and makes me wish I had my pop filter on my microphone right now. So welcome, Peter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter's question is, what do you think our biggest needs are going into next season? So kind of looking ahead to the offseason a little bit. Uh, Paul, what are your your thoughts on that? Something I thought I would have never said at the beginning of this season, which is outfielders. Um, it's it's rough because Yelich, yeah, he's been a little better lately, but um, I don't know how much you can count on him. Um, and Kane is not what he once was. Jackie Bradley is not very good. Garcia is probably going to be a free agent. And uh, so that outfield is going to need some rebuilding. And that's what they need. It's weird, like, the first base, they may actually have like a decent solution for the first time in a while. Um, I think they're set at shortstop, obviously. Second base, I think they're in great shape between Wong and Urias, and Urias can play third too. Um, but I think that's really the, the spot that they'll need to address is is getting some bats in the outfield um, going forward because it's a little rough at the or looking forward, it's a little rough right now. It's fine, but going to be rough next year. Yeah, I mean they're going to need some pop. And it's probably going to need to be in the outfield. So the answer, Peter Pax, is pop. Peter Pax, pop. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is kind of crazy because we, you know, we did all those season preview shows and we had kind of identified, you know, maybe catcher, first base, third base is the problem areas, right? And all of those have turned out to be varying degrees of uh, pretty strong, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, Omar Narvaez, his bat coming around after a really tough 2020 uh, first base. You had, you know, the deal for Rowdy Telez looking pretty solid at this point. Uh, maybe still remains to be seen whether that's 
the long-term answer there, but it's it's better than anything we've kind of seen there in the last two years, right, at least. Yep. And as Paul mentioned, you know, Urias can and slide over to third base. So uh, those perceived problem positions have kind of uh, been settled. So, yeah, I think outfield might be the thing as well. Um, all right, so moving on, we also do have uh, some other questions to get to. Uh, we have a Twitter question uh, reminder that you can always send us your questions on Twitter as well. The Twitter account for this podcast is at MKE tailgate. You can also follow all of us individually. I'm at James L Ryan is at RD top and Paul is at Badger Noonan. Uh, so we have a question from Derek core who is asking. <laughs> so I had to leave the Brewers cards game early uh, Sunday in the seventh inning as I have to feed our dogs, one of which is diabetic. So my question is, do I admit to family and friends that I left the game early and missed the walk-off grand slam? Oh no, Derek, I feel bad for you. Paul, what's your advice for poor Derek here? So you've made this excuse to us already. So I think you've already answered your own question where <laughs> you can admit it. You have a diabetic dog at home who needs care. And that's just how it goes. Uh, if you had left early yeah. to be in traffic or because of, some other reason then you want to go the lying route um <laughs> but uh, uh, this of course assumes that you are not going the lying route on this right. question that you're asking right. which you know uh, if you were gonna lie it seems like this this would be kind of maybe a lie someone would come up with so um <laughs> it's very <specific. laughs> wow never make the lies too specific i have to get home to feed my diabetic dog is you know a thing that does happen but also something that someone might come up with <laughs> But uh, assuming that you are on the up and up here and you did have to get home because you do have a dog that requires that care, you can say, oh, I'm so uh, you can you can play this one off as you're the victim. You had to miss this because you had to take care of your animals who you love so much. And that's fine. So you should go that route. Um, honesty is the best policy in this instance, unless you're covering up being a sniveling weasel, in which case you definitely want to be a liar, too. <laughs> so I was just going to say that it this is you're doing this for responsible adult reasons, like taking care of your dog yeah. that you love yeah. very much. That's good if you were doing it for, yeah, beating traffic on a Sunday afternoon, unless you're like working the night shift somewhere uh, the, like <laughs> now that's that's not a valid excuse. Like I we go to enough games, my wife and I do that if, you know, a game is looking particularly uninteresting in the seventh or eighth inning of a weeknight game. We have no problem leaving because we know we're going to be back in a week or two. So it doesn't particularly bother us. But that's also a factor. And this is like, how often are you going to games? Like if you're a regular attendee, like who cares that then it then it really does mean nothing. But, you know, if you left early, like, you know, the, the famous uh, walk off uh, home run from Kirk Gibson in the 88 <laughs> World Series. And you can see in the background all the cars lined up to leave Dodger Stadium. Like all these people have left early and there's just this huge line of traffic already to leave the stadium. That's just embarrassing. And that's wrong. <laughs> but in, in this case now, like as long as the, the, the diabetic dog thing is real and like as a, <laughs> as a person who has elderly pets right now, and I, I do, I have, I have elderly cats. Yeah. They don't have any serious health issues, but like, I, I get it. Like you, you want to take care of your cats or your dog in your case. And, in my case, it's my wife uh, wanting to be constantly that she's worried about our cats being at home. So while we're yeah. off on vacation or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, listen, Derek, there is no shame in admitting who actually runs the show, right? And it's always, always the dog mm-hmm. or the cat in Ryan's case, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, just, you know, the first step is is admitting, you know, you are not in control of the situation the dog is. So mm-hmm. it's like the old Seinfeld bit where if aliens came down and saw two species and one is walking behind the other and cleaning up their uh, their leavings. Yes. You would assume that the, the no first one is the, the species yeah. that's in charge, not the second There's one. No doubt who's in charge here. Exactly. We're we're the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's only one that uh, can wake up the other at the wee hours of the morning to go <laughs> on you know and and Mm -hmm. it's not me so yeah uh derek i think i think you're covered there but man i i I feel bad because that is that is an epic moment to miss but hey at least it wasn't trying to beat the traffic or something like that so all right uh we did have that new patron this week so thanks again peter for uh signing up for our patreon page again that's patreon.com slash mke tailgate you sign up, you get a shout out here. So thanks again to Peter. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, anywhere else. Hit that subscribe button while you're there. Leave us a rating and a review. And the deal that Paul always comes through on, if you leave us a five-star review, he will read whatever you put there. No lie, he will. We tested that theory last week when Paul admitted the Bears were good and paying running backs is a great idea. Uh, so, Paul, do we have another rating to uh, read off here this week? Sure do. We got uh, Tall Kid 41. We we'll have to say five star review. Uh, Brewers fan in Pennsylvania here. Oh, geez. Probably the best Brewers podcast out there. Thank you. I don't know for sure because this is the only Brewers podcast I listen to, but I'm pretty sure this might be the best one. Keep up. <laughs> Very nice. Keep up the great work, guys. Also, um, I'm going to say this wrong because I watch all games on mute, as everybody who listens to reporting is eligible knows. Um, Jahan Dotson is the best wide receiver in the Big Ten, and I wish the Badgers had a coach as intelligent and good looking as James Franklin. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is a Penn State fan this week of all weeks. That's fine. Right. He's read. He's right about Dodson, though, so that's fine. At least he's accurate. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about James Franklin being good looking, but yeah, I, I about that. have a lot of thoughts and emotions about that game on Twitter. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing we don't do a Badgers podcast because that'd be like two hours long just complaining about how you do not score when it's first and goal from the one yard line. So, yeah, when you have a bad quarterback, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Eight games in, Paul. We're, he's we're he's bad. Cone's uh, good. He's bad. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Jack Cone. Yeah. And we can talk about how Jack Cone suddenly looks like a world beater when he gets outside of Wisconsin. So maybe we can have a podcast where we talk about Wisconsin's development of that position. Between t- 2016 and 2019, Jack Cone's uh, 2018 season is the 17th most accurate season um, of everybody that had a quarterback season over that time period. That's 537 seasons. So. Um, the, the makings of a good quarterback were there at Wisconsin. He just needed to be let loose a little bit, have better weapons. And now he does. There you mm-hmm. go. And a coach who's not worrying about losing Graham Mertz to a transfer. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there you go. So thanks for that rating. Uh, reminder, as always, uh, just hit that subscribe button. Let people know about us. Uh, because apparently we're the only Brewers podcast that uh, Tall Boy or, or 
Sorry, I fucked up the name. Tolkien 41. <laughs> 41. Oh, man. We made it to the very end without having to throw the explicit tag. Uh, and then there uh, it is. You can edit it. That's fine. You know, James, you just fumbled the ball in the one yard line. I did. <laughs> fumbled the handoff. I'll try to avoid it twice in uh, one quarter. That's fine. All right. Uh, I. On that note, I think it's time to wrap it up this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Hopefully, the Badgers can find a way to muster a win over Eastern Michigan. And uh, we'll join you here next week for more Brewers Talk on Milwaukee's Tailgate.